Well, for those of you all that don't know, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, can, you, can you hear me? Yeah, all right. Um, and we are in a brand new series today called Who Does God Bless? Uh, we went through the Bible and looked at the people that God has seen fit to bestow his favor upon, how he blessed them, and, and, and what is it about the people that he decided to bless them. And there's a lot of insight into scripture about that. Um, and the first one today is titled, The One Who Feels Undeserving of God's Blessing. This is the very first one we're kicking off the series about this. We're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 7. If you guys want to turn in your Bibles there, open up your Version Bible app. You can find our outline there. You have an outline in the bulletin. If you don't have a bulletin, you can follow along with us on the screen. And so today, uh, we're talking about the one who feels undeserving of God's blessing. That's the one that God blesses. Uh, and the main thing, like Rob said, is God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Um, this will seem like a very strange series here at Catalyst. We don't talk a lot about how God blesses us. I, maybe it's something within me that I don't want to be uh, the health and wealth, prosperity, gospel people that are, you know, say that they're all over the place. Um, I'm not a person. I'm very wary of people whose view of God is like he's Santa Claus. There are a lot of people in the body of Christ that see God that way. Um, there's an entire cadre of people out there who have, who, who have God's blessings, not God as their ultimate spiritual goal. In other words, they don't really want God. They want what God can give them. Okay? There's a whole cadre of people out there. They want health or wealth or good fortune or happiness or a great family or being bailed out of trouble, which can all be blessings from God, mind you. And I imagine a lot of us have been blessed by God that way. But God is simply a means to them getting that. Okay, that, that, that's not what we're talking about. They don't want God, they just want what God can give them. You know people like this. They don't really like you. They want what you can give them. And they'll be friends with you until they get what they want or until you cut them off and then they're nowhere to be found. Anybody have people like that in your, li in, in your life? Absolutely. What is your opinion of them? Are they your best buds? Want to hang them out? You call them all the time? Loan them money? No. No, and, and, and God's opinion is probably the same way. Pastor Francis Chan said it best in his book, Crazy Love. I love this. Something that I keep coming back to. I want you to hear this. The critical question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with, uh, <laughs> sorry, if you had heaven with no sickness, with all the friends you ever had on earth, all the food you could ever eat, um, all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed, all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you know existed, and no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ wasn't there? You can have all those things except Christ is not there. Now, if that sounds like a great deal to you, then you've missed the point of the Christian faith. Because if that could satisfy you without Christ, then you don't want Christ. You simply want what Christ can give you. And we've missed the whole point. You really have a problem. Your person whose view of God is that he's a way for you to get blessings. 
Okay, and, and that, that's what's majorly wrong in the church today, that people don't see God as the ultimate, ble- as the ultimate answer to prayer, that, that he is not their goal. They, they don't see God as, as the, uh, the all-satisfying uh, thing to their soul. They, we don't see him as our ultimate purpose. We simply see the things that he can give us, and we want those. See, his blessings come and go, but he remains. He's our goal, our prize, the, the, the one desire of our hearts, our life's goal, our purpose, our mission, the answer to everything we've ever desired or dreamed. And until we get that straight, there's no purpose in talking about blessing from God. Because until God, not his blessing, is your goal, you won't understand the Christian faith. Now, so before we go into this series, I'm going to ask you to do something crazy. And weird. Okay, you ready? I'm going to ask you, I'm going to invite you to die. You're like, oh, Kibler's become Jim Jones. Um, yes, today we will be having uh, Kool-Aid in the communion instead of, uh, uh, no, no. No, not to die that way. To die to yourself. To die to your desires for blessing from God above God himself. To die, to stop prizing what he can give you and simply start enjoying him. To die to self, to die to greed, to die to entitlement and expectation that things will provide the ultimate satisfaction for your soul. To die to all that, to put it to death and simply begin enjoying the power and the presence of God in your life. That's what my invitation this series is for you. Then and only then will this series make any sense at all to you. Right, there's no doubt that God wants to bless people, no doubt at all. Scripture and history are full of times where God has, has given and given and given. He, he's, he's come through for his people. He's taken care of his people. He has uh, given unexpectedly. He's blessed the work of the hands of someone's business or someone's family uh, with money, with f- children, with friendship, with love and joy and peace and all the fruit of the Spirit. There's no doubt that that is all over the place. So the question we want to answer is this, who does God do that for? What does Scripture say makes up the person that has favor from God? And we'll answer those questions this series. And the person that God blesses is the one who feels undeserving of his blessing. I want to take you to 2 Samuel 7, 8 through 22. This is one of my heroes. His name is, he's known as a man after God's own heart. He's the guy that's named after me, King David. Okay. Um, now, <clears throat> he'd taken the throne. Okay, this is later on in his life. He had killed Goliath, and he'd been through the wilderness, and he'd stay faithful to God, and he was crowned king. And this is what the prophet Nathan was sent to King David to tell. This is what we pick up in verse 8. Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock. Okay, so where was he? He was a shepherd. He was the lowest. He was the youngest. He got all the bad jobs. I know that. I'm the youngest in my family. You get all the bad jobs, you know, everything like that. Thanks, Mom and Dad. But anyway, um, you know, we, we, uh, uh, he, he was the lowest and the youngest. He got all the bad jobs. And he said, I took you from tending the flock and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone. I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done so ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your 
ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands, but my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. That's amazing blessing that God has given to David. And, and it, verse 17, Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. Then King David went and sat before the Lord and he said, check this out. This is the key right here. Who am I, sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? I want everyone to underline that in your Bible, highlight it in your YouVersion Bible app, memorize it. Who am I, sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And is if this were not enough in your sight, sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant, and this decree, sovereign Lord, is for a mere human. What more can David say to you, for you know your servant, sovereign Lord, for the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. How great you are, sovereign Lord. There is no one like you, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. God says, I'm going to do all this for you. David responds with what? Who am I? You understand, God, that I'm nothing. See, David wasn't having an identity crisis. One thing we know about King David, he never, had, he never lacked for self-confidence, okay? This is a little kid, when as a little kid, walked out on a battlefield and took on a giant twice his size and killed him with a rock. This guy is not wondering, he's not having an identity crisis. He's not wondering who he is. This is not a question, okay? He says, who am I, what am my family, that you would do all this for me? He's looking up the Lord and said, next to you, I'm, I'm a hero to the people, but next to you, God, I'm nothing. I am absolutely nothing, and so you're blessing me this way? Who am I? What David didn't have is what I call the slayer of God's blessings. It's called the E word, and I consider it a swear word. I hate it. It's the word entitlement. Entitlement is the slayer of God's blessing. There is not one bit of entitlement in David's response. Entitlement is the feeling that you deserve something in life, that you are owed simply by existing, that walking into this world that you deserve things, and, and, and it, just, it is the slayer of God's blessings. Sometimes these things you feel you deserve, you've worked for. Sometimes you haven't. Sometimes it's what everyone else is having. And you feel it's only fair that you should have it too. The feeling of entitlement is what stops God from blessing you. This is why. Here, the person who feels he or she deserves something from God, that God owes them something, shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. Why? Well, this is why. Because pride drives entitlement. Everybody say that with me. Pride drives entitlement. Uh, behind, the, behind the feelings of entitlement, behind the feelings of you being owed, you deserve something, is pride. Okay? And what is the main thing? James 4, 6. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but, but gives grace to the humble. All right? God doesn't bless those he opposes. I'm sorry. He doesn't. He doesn't bless those 
he opposes. And if you have a prideful, entitled heart, feeling you are owed something, God is opposing you right now. It's not a good state to be in. The good news is, is that we can change. Pride is the most deadly of all the deadly sins. So first thing we need to do as a church, we need to repent of our pride and get rid of entitlement. We change our attitude. Um, I went through the Bible, me and the staff and the elders and all the people I know that, knew, that know the Bible, went through the Bible, the early documents of the church, writings of the Christian scholars and theologians, Old Testament, New Testament, you name it. After hours and hours and hours of research, and extensively documenting every single occurrence, compiled this exhaustive list of everything that God owes you in life. Here it is, right there. That's the exhaustive list of everything that God owes you. See, guys, we can tell the amount of entitlement that we have in our lives by our reaction when God doesn't bless us when God doesn't do what we want him to do. Um, it's deer season. I don't know if y'all know that or not. And one time, um, the guy up here leading, singing Shane, and I went hunting. Got up early, we drove down to Casey County early morning and climbed in our tree stands. We sat there all morning. After about an hour of seeing nothing, deer were not cooperating. I began praying, God send me a deer. I found that God answers my prayers everywhere except the deer stand. Because <laughs> nothing came my way. I prayed some more, nothing, prayed some more, nothing. And it was about time to get going, I started to get angry. And I mean, seriously, I got angry. I began, I said, God, you control everything. You could so easily send a deer this way, but no. However, it didn't stop there. See, with pride and entitlement, it takes you to a very dark place, and I don't know whether it was my pride and entitlement or if it was the sovereign work of God in my life, but the place I went next was awful. It exposed some deep problems that I had. And... I'm going to uh, share some things with you that are deeply personal, and it's, it's kind of risky because this was for me, and not, maybe not for every one of you, but it was for me. And, um, and so here it goes. I said, um, God, I didn't pray to you for three years after my son died. I prayed and prayed that you would heal him, and you could have, but you didn't. You taught me back then that prayer really didn't do anything, didn't you, God? What's the point? It's a conversation I had with God that day. I continued, I said, see God, I'm almost afraid to pray because I get my hopes up. I really believe you're awesome and powerful and amazing and everything, and then when you do nothing, I get my hopes dashed. I build up my hopes, and then I get knocked down. I said, well, God, after a while of doing that, it hurts. And I think the reason I don't ask you for anything much is because I'm just tired of getting my hopes up and seeing them dashed, God. If I didn't expect anything from you, I won't be disappointed when you say no. I was shocked, y'all. I was shocked that that came out of my mouth. I was shocked 
And I was quite honestly, I was dismayed that those things were still in my heart 15 years later. I'm a pastor, a Christian. I've been saved from the fires of eternal hell by God who had no good reason to do so. I'm a leader in the Christian community and my family of myself, and this was lurking inside my heart, those words, that feeling, that sentiment. It's been running around in my soul for the last 15 years, I asked myself, and out there in the wilderness, God dealt with me. He dealt with that dark place in my life by showing me some amazing things. And I'm risking telling you these things because, like I said, they're deeply personal to me. And lessons may have only been for me. They might not be for you. And God brought me to this place. He, he looked, he, in, the, in the stand, I was out there by myself, he just said, Dave, I want you to breathe. Take a breath. It's okay. I took a breath. And he said, do it again. He said, do it a third time. I said, what's your point? He said, which of those three breaths did you deserve? Which of those three breaths did you pay me for? Which of those three breaths did you, do I owe you? And I said, none. And he said, who is the giver of life? I said, you are. And he said, I am. He said, you've been alive for more than 40 years. For which of those years have you paid me for? I said, none. And I've sustained you, and I've kept your heart beating. I've kept your lungs breathing all this time. He said, if I chose, I could take that away in an instant. And David, I would have done you no wrong because I'm the one who gives life. I'm the one who gives breath. And I found you guys that today, if God was to decide right now in the middle of this sermon to take my life and I fell to the floor dead, that he would have done me no wrong. You understand that, how hard of a concept this? Because deep down, we believe we are entitled to life. And we're not. It's a gift. Every breath, every beat of your heart is a gift that you do not deserve, but he has given you anyway. He hit that to me. And he said, do you know why you're upset that your son died? Do you know why? And I said, yes. I said, because children are supposed to bury their parents not their parents, bury their children. And he said, no, that's not why you're upset. He goes, I know that that hurts. He said, I watched my son die too. He goes, I understand as a father what you're going through. He said, the reason you're upset is because you think that everyone needs and deserves their 75 or their 80 years. You got that in your mind. He said, have you ever seen, ever been to a funeral of a 95 or 100-year-old person? I said, yeah. I said, yeah, it hurts, but I mean, he's lived a long life. It's okay. And he said, what if the life expectancy was only five days? What if most people 
lived five days. And that was the life expectancy. Would you say that your son was shortchanged for living 10 days? And I had to think about that. And I said, no, not really, because he would have doubled the life expectancy. He said, the reason why you're, you're upset is because you have entitlement and you think that everybody deserves their 75 or 80 years. He said, they don't, because I am the giver of life. I am the one who gives life, and I am the one who determines. And he said, I'm dealing with that right now. And so what I've found, you all, in that is that after God dealt with that incredible dark place in my life and revealed to me some hard truths about the reality of things, then he took me to a much better place. And he replaced the E word in my life with the word beginning with C and it's contentment, contentment. He replaced the entitlement in my heart and brought me to a place of contentment. And I found that contentment, while entitlement is the slayer of God's blessings, contentment is the accelerator of God's blessings. Philippians 4, 11 through 13, Paul says this, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Contentment is the goal. Of, of the Christian faith, the, the, the goal of, of us to be contentment is the state of being, everybody get this, the state of being where if God did nothing else for you other than forgiving your sins, adopting you as his child and saving you from hell, you would be perfectly happy. That means if God never ever answered a prayer of yours with yes, if God never gave you the job you prayed for, if God never gave you the family, if God never did anything for you except the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross, adopting you into his saving you from sins and ensuring your place, eternal life, where you would be perfectly fine. It's contentment. Contentment. So the question is, are you there? Are you there? Have you been able to slay entitlement and be content with the fact that God has forgiven your sins and assured you a place in eternal life with him? It's kind of like you're on a plane and engines go out and the plane is hurtling towards the earth. And the pilot says, everybody, let's go. I've got parachutes. Put your parachute on and jump out or you'll die. So everybody puts their parachutes on. And you get to the door and the first person said, um, do you think I could get a green one? This one's blue. I like green better. And the pilot says, no, and shoves you out the, you know, another person gets up, you know, I, 
I'm kind of afraid of heights. Can you assure that you'll take away the fear? I mean, no! He shoves you out. And one by one, everybody comes to the door with their demands and their, and their questions and, their, and, and everything like that. And the pilot just shouts at you, I gave you a parachute. I'm saving your life. Isn't that enough? Isn't that how we are with God? He has saved us from an eternity in hell, our future. He saved us from that. And yet we have all these other things that we have, that we ask and feel entitled to. So the Lord wants to change that to a place of contentment within you. The reason why contentment is the accelerator of God's blessings are two reasons. The first one is this, a person who is content is empty and therefore ready to receive God's blessings. When you are full of what you think you deserve, you cannot receive God's blessings because you are full. You empty all of those things, and that way God can fill your life with the blessings when you're content. How do we treat spoiled children? Do you give them what they want? Is that what a good parent does? A demanding child that feels entitled and, and deserves that popsicle or that candy bar or that thing they have a meltdown in, 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 the, in, the, in the store? Is that what you do? You give them what they want? It's not what a good parent does. Why would we think that God, being a good parent, would give us what we demand and throw it to No. He's empty and ready to receive God's blessings. That's what King David was saying. He says, who am I, sovereign Lord? What is my family that you have brought me this far? I'm nothing. I'm empty. And God just poured blessings onto him because he didn't feel deserving of it. He's empty and ready to receive God's blessings. You know, it's so funny. Uh, a lot of us came here this morning filled up, right? I got my, got my fix, got my, got my worship on. I'm filled and I'm, 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 I'm full now and I'm ready to go face the world. You guys know the purpose of worship isn't to fill you up, right? It's to empty yourself. That's one of the main jobs you have today is when we worship God and we, 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 we come in here full of hurts and questions and, and, and problems and attitudes and, and what we're entitled to and we empty ourselves in worship so that we can receive the blessings of God. Have you emptied yourself this morning? I know what you came in here with. You came in here with all the burdens and the struggles and the problems that the week has brought you. I just, I'm just talking with a few of you. Some of you have had some rough weeks, and you're carrying all that. Have you emptied yourself? Because the empty vessel is the one that God can fill up. So I'm going to ask you to empty yourself this morning. And the second thing that we see King David do is immediately he returned God's blessings to him in the form of praise. What does he say in 2 Samuel 7, verse 20 through 22? He said, what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, sovereign Lord, for the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant how great you are, sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. There is no God but you. And as we have heard with our own ears, what is your reaction when God blesses you? What is your reaction? Do you turn it back in the form of praise? Sometimes, most of the time not. As a matter of fact, there's a really awful cycle we see in Israel's history. We see it in American history. We see it in our lives too. You want to know what it is? The cycle starts here. We have a problem. I don't know what it is. Um, lose a job. Go through divorce. 
Um, in Israel's history, they were uh, uh, oppressed, they were raided, they had marauding nations come and attack them, people were getting killed. There's a problem, and the people cry out to God in repentance, and they, 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 they throw themselves before God and say, God, help me. And then God blesses them, delivers them from their enemies, gives them rest or, or whatever, and the people get comfortable, and they stop praising God. Stop going to church. Stop doing whatever. And then they fall back into sin, which brings them trouble. And they, crawl, and, and they cry back out to God. God delivers them and blesses them. They forget, lapse back into sin, and, and then trouble. And it's this vicious cycle. We see it everywhere in Scripture. We see it everywhere in America today. We see it in our own lives. When God blesses you, Many times, if not most of the time, we get complacent. We forget that it is God that is blessing us. We forget his word. We forget his will. We forget his ways, and we lapse back because life is good. Life is good. We don't need God now that life is good. Now my refrigerator is full, and the mortgage is paid for, and I got a good job, and I got family, and I got everything. Well, oh, we, we don't need God. We don't even listen to him. We don't even think about him until trouble comes our way, right? And then all of a sudden, we get back on our knees and we reconnect with God. King David looked at the blessing of God and said, I'm nothing and I'm returning it back to praise and I'm gonna keep you in the forefront of my life because I won't forget what you did for me. I won't forget where I was and I won't forget what, where I could easily be without you, God. Are there anybody in here who's just kind of forgotten? God has saved you, has blessed you beyond your wildest dreams, given you things you don't deserve, given you life you don't deserve, given you whatever it is that you don't deserve, and you've just forgotten. You've forgotten his goodness. You've kind of lost God in the whole stresses of, of, of the day. That's, a, that's the cycle. That's the default cycle. And I'm going to ask you to rise above that. I'm going to ask you to remember where your blessings come from. I'm going to ask you every day to realize that God is blessing you and you don't deserve any of it. Neither do I. I want everybody to take a breath. You realize that was a gift? You realize you don't deserve that? Do it again. You didn't deserve that either. It's a blessing from God. And when you get to that point, I'm gonna invite the band to come on back up. When you get to that point in your life where you realize that you don't deserve anything but you've been given the world, this is what happens. You stop. You stop the anger stop the bitterness. See, entitlement leads you down the road to bitterness and anger, feeling that you're owed something. When you slay that and God replaces that with contentment, all of a sudden, you can appreciate the things that God has given you. When you go home today and you see your house, you appreciate it. See, entitlement 
makes you, you can't appreciate your house because you want a bigger one. When you're content, you walk out to your car, you can appreciate it. See, with entitlement, you can't appreciate that because somebody else has a better one. When you are content, you look around at your family, your crazy, messed up, awesome family, and you say, you know what, I, I, I appreciate you. I'm not looking at their family saying they got so much better than me. No, you can appreciate how God has blessed you. You're free from the seething resentment that people with entitlement have. You can actually be happy for the successes of others. See, you take, what, you, you take your eyes off how God has blessed other people and you begin appreciating how God has blessed you. Be happy for how God has blessed other people. Be happy for them. And just start appreciating how God has blessed you. Because that right there is the key to God's blessings. That's the key. I've laid a lot on you guys today. I know that this has been a tough message for some people to hear, and, 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 and that's good because the Word of God should challenge us, should call us to something, to something better and something different. What I'm telling you guys is that right now God wants to do some business with you. He wants to connect with you. And maybe entitlement has been lurking around in here like it was. I didn't even know it was lurking around in my heart until that day where God pulled it out of me and forced me to confront it in a very painful and deeply personal way. I just shared that with you. Maybe he's doing that with you right now, but I'm telling you, he's not doing that to hurt you. He's doing that so that he can replace that with contentment, to empty you of all this so he can pour everything into your life. Okay? So I'm going to ask you to do some business with God right now because God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. All of us today, after today, can look up to God and say, who am I? And what is my family that you have given me all this? The happiest people in the world are the people that believe they got better than they deserved. Well, here's a hint. We've all got it better than we deserve. It's just that only some of us know it. I hope that you know that this morning, that God wants to bless you and take away the slayer of God's blessings, which is entitlement, and replace it with contentment so that you're an open vessel to receive all that God has for you. I want to be quiet for a minute or two. Do some business.